All right, good morning. Welcome to H2O Church again. We're so glad that you guys are here and welcome to our Akron venue that's going to be listening in on video. You guys having a great day? Awesome. We are in a series called Do Something with the New Year. A lot of times we're looking at 2019 and we're thinking, man, I want this year to be different from the past. And we're doing this series about Do Something to just encourage us to take action in where God is leading us to go. And we really want to be leaning into this and encouraging you to be pondering this and be thinking, God, what is it that you want me to do to be taking steps of faith in my own life? And a lot of times those take courage. And sometimes when we're thinking about, I just want to do something and I want to step out in faith, one of the things that inhibits us is fear. Fear is a really important thing to talk about and something I'm very excited about sharing with you out of God's word today because I think our culture can really be crippled by fear. We can be filled with anxiety, we can be filled with doubts, and then we don't move forward and do what God wants us to do because we're filled with fear. So today we're going to be talking about faith versus fear. And you know, one of those most popular commands in the New Testament is to do not fear. And when we really have our eyes on God and we're focused on filling us up, letting him fill us up with faith, we can move past those fears. We had a really fun experience over the break. You know, the break's been a little bit longer for uh, some of you students uh, with this J term. And so we decided to take a little trip down to Indiana to visit one of our sister churches that just started. We have a new church plant uh, in Indiana, in Bloomington, uh, another H2O. And so about 20 of us from BG, Akron, and Toledo said, hey, let's go down to Indiana, and we will just encourage that church and help them and serve them and give out free coffee and promote their new Sunday service. And it was really awesome. But one of the things that we did that was so cool was we went out two by two and we initiated spiritual conversations with people. I was so thankful for our team. Some of you guys are sitting out there today. It was a really awesome experience uh, having the Toledo and the Akron and the BG people together. And we would walk up to these people and just say, hey, we're with this new Christian group on campus. Do you mind if we ask you some spiritual questions? Now, that little phrase that I just shared with you, you wouldn't think that maybe that was really intimidating to go up to strangers and do that. But I'll tell you, after even years of me doing it, it still brings butterflies to my stomach to walk up to strangers and start spiritual conversations. And I was so proud of, of, with our team. They were just so amazing. And people said things like, oh, this is going to be awesome, and I feel excited. Other people were like, I'm scared. I think one of the people said, I am terrified. They used the word terrified to go and do this. But we did it. And we had awesome conversations with people. And we got to share the good news of Jesus Christ with people. And it was an awesome experience. And I was so encouraged by our students and our staff that went because I could see this confidence growing in them as they stepped out in faith and God empowered them to, to have this courage to go and do it. And it reminds me of this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 where it talks about we don't do things sometimes that are logical or that we see with our eyes thinking, gosh, is this going to be awkward? But we do things in faith because there's something unseen in this world. There's a God, and there's a spiritual aspect of our lives, and we want to talk to people about that, even if it seems different to them or even if it seems unusual. And 2 Corinthians 5, 6, and 7 says this, So we are always confident, 
Even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home in heaven with the Lord, for we live by believing and not by seeing. That last part there, we live by believing that God is going to use our efforts. He's going to use our faith to make a difference in this world, not by seeing. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 in a different version says, we walk by faith, not by sight. And that's really what we're encouraging you to do in this church. And as you encounter your relationship with God, he's going to be asking you to not just see in this physical world, don't just see with your physical eyes what you see around you or what you could write out on paper and say, yeah, this is the logical way for me to live. This is what makes sense. This is what I can accomplish in my own strength. He said, no, live by faith. Believe that God wants to do something amazing. So if you're sitting there thinking, well, where do I put this? What, what kind of things are you talking about? Because maybe some of you are sitting there and you think, I'm not afraid of anything. Maybe some of you don't have much experience with any fear. You'd say you're very confident. And I would say this, are you living to influence people? Are you really pursuing forgiveness with the people in your life? And are you allowing God to change deep things in your life? When we talk about this series of do something, you know, I want you to just think and pray about that as you're sitting there. Am I really living to influence other people? Because that's what kind of gets your heart rate going when you think, I want to start telling people at work and at my, in my job and at school and in my neighborhood that I love Jesus. And I want them to watch my life and be influenced for Christ. That starts to make us more dependent on God. When we think of some of the relationships that are broken in our lives, and we think of being a peacemaker, and God says, I want you, as, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all people, and you're going to go try to seek forgiveness or try to forgive someone, these are very fearful things at times. When we're trying to change things in our life, it can bring fear and anxiety. So the big idea for today that we want you to take away is this. God wants to help us overcome our fear and step out in faith. So as we read through some of these verses and look at some of these points, you can kind of think about your own life, allow the Spirit to, to prompt you and, and to motivate you of what are some areas of possible fear in your life where you really need God, where you are going to be dependent on God and asking Him to help you. And when we think about why we have fear, you know, I was pondering this as I was even preparing this. I was thinking, why do we have fear? What's the, what's the main couple things? And here's the couple things that come to my mind. Number one is we fear failure. We are fearful because we do not want to fail. For some of us, we are petrified and terrified that we might do something and fail. And we want to live this comfortable life where everything is just guaranteed. And God, if I do this for you, you're going to come through for me, and I want the results to be this way. And we have these promises. Some of them are just off, where we think God's promises are that everything that we do, it's going to be easy and successful. And that is not what God's promise is for us. God's promise is, I want you to do what I want you to do in faith, and the promise is, I'll be there with you regardless of the results. And so we can't be filled with, with this fear of failure. You know, when we don't even want to take the shot, 
We don't want to take a shot at life and taking the shot in basketball or, or, or making that shot in a soccer goal because we're afraid we're going to fear. There was a little quote that I heard recently. It says that we miss 100% of the shots we don't take. Don't psych yourself out. Don't allow the enemy to psych you out before you even take that step because you think, well, I might fail. You know what? We might fail in our definition of failure. But when we step out and obey God, we are already successful. You know, I was um, just thinking about this amazing story uh, of David and Goliath. If you think of a young person that just had to step out in faith, I think of David and Goliath in 1 Samuel chapter 17. I'm going to read a passage from this, but just to kind of set this story up that's in 1 Samuel, what's happened before this is Samuel has many brothers, and his brothers are out at war against the Philistines. And, and David is just out tending the sheep. He's one of the youngest ones, and he's out taking care of the sheep away from his brothers. And his dad says, hey, go check on your brothers who are at the front lines and bring them some things and report back to me what's going on. And when he shows up, nobody's doing anything. No one's fighting. Everyone's paralyzed with fear because the Philistines have this gigantic man named Goliath, and he comes out and taunts the people of God, day after day. He's taunting them. He's blaspheming God. He's insulting them. And he's this huge man. It gives the dimensions of how big his helmet is and his spear. And he's just this um, huge, intimidating figure. And he comes out and says, somebody come out and fight me. And if you win, we'll just give you everything. And if we win, we take everything. And nobody would go fight him. And they're so scared and David shows up and says, hey, what's going on? What's going on here? And his brothers ridicule him for even being there. Why are you here? And as David's standing there, he hears Goliath come out and kind of give his anthem of blasphemy against their God. And David's appalled. He's like, I can't believe this guy's saying this about our God. And so he says, I will go fight this guy. Okay, this young little boy, David, says he's going to go fight him. And that's where we pick it up in verse 32. He says, don't worry about this Philistine. David told Saul, that's the king, I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. I have done this both to the lions and the bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord, listen to this, the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. You know, a couple things I want to pull out of this amazing passage is that when you want to respond to God and you want to do something of faith, 
there will probably be people around you that will ridicule you or try to talk you out of it. Just like Saul, the king, said, this doesn't make any earthly sense. Little boy, you can't fight this giant. This isn't going to happen. Maybe family members will, will put doubt into your mind. Maybe your own insecurities will start filling your mind with doubt of why you can't accomplish this. And you start getting filled with fear. And you start thinking, man, maybe this doesn't make any sense. What am I doing? Because all of those Israelites that were standing there, they didn't have faith. They said, this isn't going to make sense. If we go out there, we will die. And so they did nothing. But you know what David does, what I love, is he refers back to how God helped him in the past. And this is so crucial for you and I. As we go through this really hard journey with God, this adventure with God that could be filled with doubt and fear, we are going to need to refer back to, well, God, I remember when you told me to do this. I remember when you asked me to do this, and I did it. And man, it was awesome. Man, I felt your presence. Man, my heart was just overflowing with your presence and your power. And I believe that that was you. See, you, you've got to have those moments of faith, those little journal entries, those things in our mind that bring us back to the reality of the truth that we live by faith and not by sight. And that's what David says. He says, listen, this isn't crazy, Saul. I used to guard these sheep, and I have fought lions and bears, and God gave me the power with this club to defeat these animals. And he said, if God came through for me back then, he is going to come through for me today. He's so filled with faith. It's amazing. And he says, the Lord who rescued me. So he's realigning Saul's thought. And everyone that there is listening, this isn't about me. This isn't about you. This is about the Lord. This is about a mighty God that wants to do something miraculous through us. He said, this is going to be the Lord that rescues me because he did it before and he's going to do it again. And I imagine Saul probably saw something in him because Saul said, okay, man, let's, let's go for this. He says, all right, go ahead. And he says this, may the Lord be with you. May the Lord be with you. And David goes out there in faith and he throws that rock and it hits the Goliath in the head and he wins. And the Israelites are so filled with faith after watching this young boy's faith. They just shout and charge the Philistines and defeat them. These men that were filled with fear now all of a sudden are shouting with courage with their swords in hand saying, God is with us. And everything changed. And I just want to encourage you today as you're, you're thinking about this thing that God's asking you to do to influence someone or to, to forgive someone or to change your own life or whatever it might be that God's putting before you, not only is this going to be amazing for you if you step forward, but you have no idea what people are watching you. And as you step into faith, 
they're going to be filled with faith. You know, a little bit later here in our, our next service, we're going to be uh, witnessing a baptism. And I'm just so excited to witness a baptism because the people that get in there and say, I want to follow Jesus, it takes such courage. It takes such faith to get up in front of a group of people and say, I want to follow Jesus. And every one of us can be filled with fear and filled with those thoughts of failure. But just know that regardless of the results, the fact that Jesus is walking there with you is already the success in hand. You know, I've mentioned many times I love playing basketball. And, uh, and I love being on really hard, uh, difficult teams with players that are better than me, that at these days that happens most of the time. It's not, not too hard to find. <clears throat> and, uh, but I love the excitement and I love the adrenaline and I love the, the competition of, of trying to do something beyond what I think I can do. And a lot of times, there's failure involved. The other day I was playing, believe it or not, I got a rebound and went to shoot a layup and shot an air ball on a layup in front of all these men. You're sitting there thinking, how do you exactly shoot an air ball on a layup? Is that possible? Yes, it is possible. I accomplished it, and it was quite embarrassing. Later on in the same game, a lot of times guys are coming in and out during different games and there was some debate on whose ball it was and we, we kind of changed court and, I, and I'm kind of just confused at 6.30 in the morning and there's no blood in my brain quite yet. And I tried to steal the ball from a guy that was actually on my team. And uh, after about 30 seconds of confusion, they just stopped the game and looked at me, all other nine men, and they said, what are you doing? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> um, those moments can be so embarrassing that you think, man, I should just get in the car and go home right now. Now, but there's other successes that, that when you play or when you take, you take uh, adventures and you take chances to try to do things. But part of pushing through the failure and pushing through those fears, and being okay that you don't know how those results are going to go is part of the adventure with God. And speaking of basketball, I wanted to show you this clip this morning. Uh, one of the greatest basketball players, probably the greatest basketball player ever, Michael Jordan. I'm going to show you this little 30-second clip that I thought fits so beautifully and gives us such a good spiritual message when we're walking with God. And Michael Jordan, you know, he's phenomenal. If you don't know anything about him, he won three championships with the Bulls. Then he retired and tried to play baseball. Then he came back to basketball and won three more championships. That's pretty impressive. Here's this little clip from him. I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life. And that is why I succeed. Isn't that cool? He said, I was trusted with the game-winning shot 26 times and missed. You know, he didn't mention all those glorious moments in that clip, 
But sometimes when we're walking with God, he's going to encourage us to walk into things that are difficult and live for the audience of one. Johann Sebastian Bach lived at the turn of the 17th century, one of the greatest composers of all times. It is amazing for me to think of guys like Johann Sebastian Bach that wrote this beautiful music and others like him, and we are still listening and enjoying their music hundreds of years later. That is so amazing. We would consider that a success when you write something so beautiful and literally 300 years later, people are still playing the music. They're still performing the music. They're still listening to the music at weddings. And Sarah Birchfield read us a devotional this week that I thought was so good about Johann Sebastian Bach. It says, one winter night, composer Johann Sebastian Bach was scheduled to a new composition. He arrived at the church expecting it to be full. Instead, no one had come. Without missing a beat, Bach told his musicians that they were still going to perform as planned. They took their places, Bach raised his baton, and soon the empty church was filled with magnificent music. He probably had his hopes high that the crowd was going to be full, that the crowd was going to be large. And all the preparation and all the thought into this concert, and no one shows up. And without any hesitation, he said, you know what? We're going to do our part. And I believe that that night he played for an audience of one, the audience of God. And that's what I want to encourage you with, is that we live for this audience of one. And when you're thinking about stepping through this thing of fear, maybe nobody else is ever going to notice. Maybe nobody else knows how big or small it is to you. But this is about you walking with God, whether anyone notices it or not. You know, a few years back, I had a really emotional experience that that fits into this next point. Um, you know, when you go into ministry, you have such high hopes of just really loving people and encouraging people and helping people. And uh, a couple years ago, this young girl came uh, and said she needed to speak to me. And we met right over here in Panera. She was from a, a different church. And, uh, and I wasn't sure what she wanted to talk about, but I knew it was something pretty serious. And so we met and we sat down, and she began to tell me that about 10 or 15 years prior, when she was in one of the churches that I led, that I had really hurt her in a deep way. And I was really upset just listening to her share, and she was she was so gracious and she was so honest, and, uh, but, but it, was, it was pretty hard to hear. And I was so impressed by her courage to come and tell me. And she just went on to say that she was really going through some struggles. She was going through some mental issues. She was going through some real deep trials that were hard for her to overcome. And this other girl had told me about her and told me I should meet with her. And I didn't really know what the scenario was. But I was really hard on her. I was really harsh to her. And I gave her some advice that in my youth and in my ignorance of really knowing the situation 
was pretty bad advice. And she said, man, this has just kind of haunted her for a long time. It, it, it became this, this rift in our relationship. And I really didn't know that all that was going on. And she had gone to this different church. And here she was years later going through some, some deep thought. And she was thinking about going overseas to be a missionary. And she said through this process, there was some healing steps that they had to take. And, she, and they asked her, is there anybody in your life that's really hurt you, that's injured you, that you really haven't reconciled with? And I came to her mind. And man, when you sit there and hear that kind of scenario, it can really break your heart. I think, man, I hurt this person. And I just told her, I was so thankful that she came and told me. And I told her I was so sorry, and, and there was tears, and we really had a great moment of reconciliation. And I just told her, I was just so proud of her that she wanted to go into ministry. I was so thankful that she didn't quit the church. That's hard to have a pastor hurt you. And I just told her I was so thankful for her, and we prayed and I was just so moved that she didn't let that injure her relationship with God or what he had purposed for her. And this second point that I have that relates to that is I think a lot of times we fear because of our past hurts. We don't want to do something for God. We don't want to put our heart out there. We don't want to love because we've been hurt in the past. Maybe we even had our heart wide open for some a mercy opportunity to bless someone with our time or with our love or a listening ear or even financially, and they burned us on it. If we experience hurt, rejection, or embarrassment, it is difficult to put our heart out there in love again. And I know that just as I've hurt that person and other people have hurt me, this has been a trial. This is difficult. I'm sure as you sit there, you think, man, there's probably people that I have hurt in this way, and I've wondered how it's affected their relationship with Jesus. And I'm sure there's been people that have hurt you, that have really made you question, man, do I want to do this again? It's so vulnerable to be hurt and then yet put your heart out there again. And you know, Jesus is just the most amazing example of this. There's no way I could continue in ministry without Jesus' loving example of putting his heart out there. Because even though I shared that about how I've hurt people, I've also had unexpected hurt in my own life. I had no idea going into Christian leadership how many people would say things or do things or leave us in a bad way or say incredibly hurtful things that I just thought, wow, that's it. I'm done. This has completely taken the wind out of my sails, and I'm getting online, and I'm looking for the next construction job that I can find because I am done. And then you get with God, and you interact with God, and he starts softening up your heart again, and he says, that's no way to live with a hard, closed heart. You know, Paul experienced that too. Paul really put his heart out there for people. He put his heart out there for the Corinthian people. 
And in this next section that we're going to read, the Corinthian people were criticizing him. The Corinthian people were saying, well, you're not as good as some of these other leaders that we're encountering, so we don't know if we trust you, Paul. We don't know if we think you're a safe person. We don't know if you're filled with truth. And they started to put him down. And I'm sure that hurt. And Paul says this as he's talking about these other leaders that are criticizing him. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him. I've served God far more. I've worked harder, he says. I've been put in prison more often. I've been whipped times without number and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I've traveled on many long journeys. I've faced dangers from rivers and from robbers. I've faced dangers from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I've faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers, but are not. Wow. That is a heck of a lot of trials and hurt and persecution and difficulty to go through. Paul says, man, I know. I know what it's like to experience hurt. All I wanted to do is give them Jesus. All I wanted to do was love people. And I got arrested and beaten and some of my own people turned on me. And I've been hungry and I've been starving and I've been homeless and I've been shipwrecked. And he says this later on in different ways. I do all of that for one person to come to Christ. I will put my heart out there again and again, Paul says. And Jesus says something so similar, Luke 23, verse 34. When Jesus says, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. That verse just burns in my mind about Jesus and all that pain on the cross, dying for our sins. And the Romans that slapped him, and the Romans that spit on him, and the Romans that persecuted him, and he's just on the cross, and he looks down at them, not with vengeance, not with hate, and not with bitterness, as we are all tempted to live, but he says, God, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And I just imagine him so filled with love, and I want that in my life. As much as my heart has been hurt, I want to put it out there again. As much as your heart has been hurt, God is wanting you to go out there and love people and encourage people and be a leader for him. So let me close with this final question for you. As you're hearing this and, and you're just thinking about 2019, how will you do something? How will you step out in faith to influence people or forgive? Or maybe it's something in your own life that you need to change and God's putting his finger on it. He's saying, don't be afraid. I'm with you. Step out there in faith and watch him come through because it isn't about you and I. It's about his power. And I'd like you to pray about that and think about this, that this week. Think about those areas of fear and how God wants to build intimacy with you through those things so that you can experience his power at something way beyond yourself.
That's what he's calling us to. That's how he wants us to do something special for him. Let's pray for that.